Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, depending upon where you happen to be. It's 1 o'clock Pacific Time, 4 o'clock in the East, 20 hours GMT, 10 a.m. here in Maui, Hawaii. And it's time for the Ageless Wisdom Mystery School. Hello, aloha. Thanks very much for being here. This program, as you probably know by now, is followed in about 30 minutes with a full premium training for an additional 90 minutes. And you can enroll at theagelesswisdom.com. I feel like I always need to say that T-H-E is part of it. It's the W's dot the Ageless Wisdom. Because there is an agelesswisdom.com site, but that's not us. We're the agelesswisdom.com. Sounds sort of presumptuous, but we <laughs> we had to take the URL we could get. That was many, many years ago now. So in any event, hope you can enroll for today's program if you haven't already. The thank you page will give you the URL and password that you need. But if you're not enrolled or have not enrolled or for whatever reason we're not able to, we're going to give you as much as we can in the next 20 or 25 minutes about this whole idea of, and I'll say it this way, resolving the false assumptions that we all made as little kids. You know, the truth of the matter is it's just really terrifying to consider that your parents are human, that they've made mistakes. Some of us had horrible parenting. Some of our parents were, well, did the best they could. They were well-intentioned. They loved us. They wanted to be good parents. And then a few of us, I suppose, had great parents. But I don't suppose there's anybody that is spared the false assumptions of feeling like they really are bad. For example, how many parents do you suppose know the importance of saying to a child, I love you, but your behavior is bad, and I'm upset by what you've done, or in some cases what you should have done but failed to do? Very few say that. Instead of saying, I love you, you're a wonderful child, but I'm really upset by your behavior— Now go to your room and we'll talk about it later when I calm down. Usually they say, you're bad, or worse, you're rotten, or I don't know why I ever had children, or why can't you be more like your older brother or your sister or Billy or Jane down the block. And it's mortifying, it's humiliating to a little child who's just come into the world, doesn't really understand who they are, Well, heck, for that matter, most adults don't really know who they are. People grow old and die and never really figure out who they are, nor are most people even interested in knowing who they are. They're much too busy avoiding what they see as a risk in knowing who they are and instead judging other people. You ask people how you feel about this person or that person, why they do what they do, boy, you'll get a whole essay. They'll, <laughs> they'll run it down for you. But if you say, well, why do you feel the way you do? 
why do you believe that's true? Why do you think that way? You get this puzzled look like, well, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> why do we believe what we believe? Most of it is not a result of some critical assessment. I mean, take current events, uh, politics or religion. Lots of folks just avoid those topics, never talk politics or religion, because so much of it is based on confusion and and a lack of information. What in this day and age is called the low information citizen or the low information voter. That's a nice way of saying that people haven't really done their due diligence. And of course, it brings up the whole question of getting the government that we deserve and electing people who are really not interested in what's best for the greatest number of people, but only for themselves or their constituency, their base, as it's called, or their political party. Remember when politicians at least used to try (laughs) to create an appearance of representing everybody in the nation? And religion the same way. It's so emotionally based. People don't really understand why they believe what they believe. Gosh, I remember many, many years of uh, doing radio talk shows where people would take a position on a topic that they knew very little about. They, I mean, there are many issues upon which reasonable, well-informed people can disagree, but then there are other issues where it's just unreasonable, uninformed people arguing with others who are more well-informed and maybe more reasonable as well. And yet everybody figures they have a right to an opinion, even if it's an uninformed opinion. Well, the truth is that if that's the case for adults, then Imagine how confused we were as little children. And if somebody went beyond your behavior is bad, but you're safe and you're loved, to you were bad, or words of that sort, then we take it literally. Little kids take it literally, and their worldview is locked in by age six or seven, whether they live in a safe world or a dangerous world, whether there's a great deal of kindness in the home or whether there's a lot of hostility and antagonism in the home. That's a lot of it actually is locked in before you even go to kindergarten, before five years old. But certainly by age six or seven, the worldview is established, and then we're in a hurry to grow up. We want to be big kids. We want to be teenagers, and we can't wait to get out of the house, to be on our own. Uh, The economy is particularly frightening in this day and age, and uh, we carry those false assumptions with us. So if I were to say to you, it's never too late to have a happy childhood. How does that strike you? As absurd? As funny? Uh, silly? Hopeful? <laughs> promising? It's never too late to have a happy childhood. How would we do that? 
If only there were a way of accessing those deep and profound memories and the false assumptions that are bound up with those memories in the subconscious mind. An aspect of mentality that used to be called, for many years, the unconscious mind because nobody believed that you really had access to it. It's like, well, the unconscious is the mind that heals the body, that maintains body temperature and blood pressure, that digests food and fights disease, that repairs and replaces cells, that that beats your heart, that does all of these miraculous things, and surely we have no access to that, do we? Most of our reflexes we do not have conscious access to. I guess blinking and breathing would be the two exceptions to that. And even then, if uh, something flashes by your eyes, you'll blink unconsciously. If you try to hold your eyes open for a long period of time, you'll notice that that's a relaxation skill. And the harder you try to do that, not blink, the more difficult it will be. In breathing, well, you could consciously breathe fast or breathe slow or deep breaths or shallow breaths, panting, or hold your breath and refuse to breathe, but not for long, and then the unconscious takes over and forces you to breathe the same way it forced you to blink. So even those exceptions are limited, and yet we have learned in the past half a century, I would say, that we can access the subconscious mind. What used to be called the unconscious is now called the subconscious because we can gain access to it. We can gain access to the false assumptions bound up in the memory banks of the subconscious mind. And we can learn through visualization or guided imagery and other forms of sensory imagination to do two things. Number one, in a receptive way, to bring the understanding, the awareness, the experience, the intelligence, the the knowledge, I guess collectively the first word I used, understanding or awareness. These are the best words. We can bring the awareness of the adult, the understanding of the person that we've become into the imagination of the subconscious mind and realize why we felt the way we felt back then in a way that never would have been available to us when we were that little kid two years old, four years old, six years old, you see? And secondly, as a result of that realization, you can make new assumptions. You can actually supplant those old, bad, horrible memories that are wrong anyway. You are not bad. You've never been bad. You're wonderful, It's just that your parents forgot to distinguish between bad behavior and being a bad person. 
And of course your behavior is bad. All kids make mistakes. Adults make mistakes. Certainly kids are going to you know, make mistakes. And there just aren't that many courses for parenting. There's no real book or manual that anybody's agreed on. There's some pretty good books that are finally coming out in parenting. But what parent has the humility to read a book on parenting? Very few. They figure they've somehow inherited parenting. In fact, they have from their parents. And a lot of the mistakes then are passed down from generation to generation. It's changing. It's it's slowly changing. I saw a, a, f, a news article the other day where a, a dad was arrested for beating his kid with a belt. Yeah. You know, I was beaten with a belt. My father, he took off that belt. You knew you were in for it. And he would whip me with that belt, raise welts on me. And some people even quote the Bible, you know, spare the rod, spoil the child. That's not really in the Bible, but they say it as, a, as if it is some biblical, like Moses brought down from Mount Sinai, this idea that whipping your child with a leather strap is a good thing. Or you'll, you'll hear victims of child abuse who then pass on the abuse, act it out, saying, trying to justify the abuse by saying, well, didn't hurt me, didn't damage me, I was beaten. Is that, well, yes, it did damage you because you're beating a child in the same way you were beaten. This is a serious problem. And the verbal abuse, and I think few people understand that even ignoring a child is abusive. If you have too many children, you know, like that movie Home Alone with Macaulay Culkin from, what, 20, 25 years ago, the parents went on vacation and forgot the kid. My God, there was a story in the news a week or two ago that the prime minister of England left his, one of his kids in a bar. They call them pubs, but left him in a pub, forgot the kid, and that's the prime minister of the, of the country. I guess he was busy. Uh, it's just unbelievable to me. But imagine, I mean, forget judging the behavior. Imagine how a child feels to be forgotten. It happens. I've had clients in many situations who tell the stories of humiliation in their childhood. And often one is, well, there was that day that mom forgot to pick me up at school. She forgot she had a third child or a fifth child or whatever, and often they would call me by the wrong name. And people sometimes say, you know, when I was a little kid, I often felt invisible. It was like I wasn't even there sometimes. So rarely was I acknowledged or paid attention to. Well, that's abusive. So there's physical abuse, there's verbal abuse, it's all emotional abuse. Even ignoring a child is abusive. This is probably why I chose never to have children, because I did not have good role models. I didn't, I didn't know how to be a parent. I've never really understood it. 
We had a very abusive father who left when I was 12. I'm not going to regale you with all the stories of the, the details of my particular childhood, but I know how it feels not to have somebody that can teach you how to shave. Nobody ever showed me how to shave or tie a tie, you know. My father was not there to be proud of me at the football games or at the prom or or when I graduated, and that hurts. But moreover, it causes young people to assume falsely that there is something inadequate about us, that there's something just not good enough, something bad, something defective, like you fell off the assembly line and uh, you're missing some parts or something. And oddly, because the nature of the mind is to move toward whatever we pay attention to, because we reap what we sow, because of the nature of karma, because life really is a self-fulfilling prophecy, we then go out and create again and again and again evidence that we're absolutely right, evidence that we really are bad or wrong or weak or somehow defective. And so as adults, even though we begin to reason through it with the logical conscious mind, we have this memory, not only from childhood, but the nature of life as a self-fulfilling prophecy produces all of this evidence later in life as well that, yeah, well, you're right, you really were inadequate. You're not enough. You're bad, wrong. So who wants to discover more about a self that is defective? Better, we figure, to judge other people. And that's what everybody else is doing anyway. So let's judge other people and then we'll get together and have pity parties. And we'll talk about how other people are doing things to us and the conclusions we've arrived at about how other people are behaving and how we're just victims or targets, that even our most intimate emotions are done to us by other people. And the simplest concepts of, a, of emotions being a response to the world around you, that they're really yours, they are intimate. They're the essence of subjectivity, your emotional nature. That escapes most people, and they live their whole lives feeling like a target or an effect or a victim, as if life's a one-way street and you're the bullseye. It's all coming at you. It's all heaped upon you. Poor, I know the feeling because, you know, to some extent, it's really true. You can be victimized. You can be blindsided. And especially as a little kid, you really are dependent upon others. But the good news is we can heal it. We can heal it by using meditation with visualization. Sometimes there's big, fancy, descriptive words for this. It's often called simply postnatal regression. There's a fancy word for relaxing to improve your memory. To bring the awareness of the adult that you've become 
deep into the subconscious mind with relaxation, breath control, visualization, to realize that you weren't bad, that was ineffective and inappropriate parenting, followed by your false assumptions, which then got locked in and became part of your character. And now, with the awareness of the adult, you go, oh, well, no wonder I felt that way. Well, I can understand why that happened. And Well, no, well, of course, that maybe mom was having a bad day, right? I had a series of these in the work that I've done with myself, on myself, for myself. And, uh, you know, it was, <laughs> I, I escaped, really. I can remember one particular epiphany where I suddenly realized, my God, the fact that my father would come home from work and yell at my mother and kick the dog and then come after me with a belt was not about me. It was about my father. But as a little kid, it was way too scary to consider how off balance he was, or now I look back, how immature he was. He was like 23 years old when, when I was born. He was just a kid himself. To me, he was a giant man. He was an adult. He could have been 40 or 60. It doesn't matter to a little kid. It's just this giant man coming after you with this leather strap. Or, again, it could be verbal abuse or it could be just being ignored. Now, we're supposed to grow out of that. The dependency, the emotional dependency of childhood should become emotional independence as adults where we don't need that from other people, where our job is to give to others. And if you receive something in return, so much the better, but you shouldn't need it. And when we do, it's often the result of never having received it as a child. So lesson two of the FLY program, F-L-Y, is feeling like yourself, which we're talking about today. I'm going to go into depth. I need the 90 minutes of the premium training, which is available to you for pocket change when you go to theagelesswisdom.com and enroll. You can enroll for a single class for a 13-week quarter or a full year. You can listen after the fact with replay on demand. You can download the MP3 to your desktop and Put it on your smartphone. Collect the whole set, as, <laughs> as, they, as they used to say. Uh, listen on your iPod, your iPad, your smartphone, whatever. That's all available to you. Theagelesswisdom.com. And in any event, this program is podcast. I hope you find some value in it. You want to close your eyes for just a minute and breathe and relax. And go to a place of perfect peace as you feel the relaxation in your body. Let the muscles soften. Tell yourself you're safe. Breathe. Identify as the one who lets go. And imagine yourself as the adult you've become opening your arms and welcoming yourself 
as a child of four or five years old. See yourself. Come and hug that self. Embrace the adult you've become, embracing the child you are at four or five years old. As you've perhaps held your own kids or grandkids, open your hearts. Tell this child they're really okay, that they're wonderful little boys and girls, that you're so proud to be the person they've become, and you want them to live in your heart forevermore. And feel that merging, that coming together as if the little kid in you does now live in your heart, safe and loved, that you are that child and you are like the big brother or big sister. You are like their parent now forevermore. And then breathe, nice, big, slow, deep breath. And as you exhale, open your eyes, wide awake, back in the room. And now, at least you have a little taste of the idea that it's never too late to have a happy childhood. Join us next week. We'll do part three, Healing Current Hurt. It's the Fly Program here in the Ageless Wisdom Mystery School. Thanks a lot for being here. Hope you can join us in a few minutes at the premium training. And be gentle, love life, and take care of each other. Aloha from Maui, Hawaii. This is Michael Benner.